Have you ever had one of those moments where you've actually, like, absolutely been sure and confident that you were able to do a particular activity or carry out some sort of particular action, and so you talked it up? The talk game was strong. It was real. It was the confidence for me, eh? And so you began to talk it up, but when you went ahead to try and carry out this action or this activity, it was nothing but a fail.com. You look more like a beautiful scene from a, a, you know, a failed compilation video on YouTube. Uh, when I was in intermediate school, I was selected to represent my school in the middle distance running. 800 meters and 15. Yes, I was. I was a runner. <laughs> John Walker had nothing on me. <laughs> yeah, so I was selected to represent my school in the middle distance running aim. And so uh, they taught me, they gave me all these strategies, these tactics to be able to win the race or like, you know, to be able to pace myself. And so the, the strategy was this. I had to find a particular rhythm, run to it in the first two laps, third lap, pick up the pace, fourth lap, empty the tank. That was the strategy. And so I was like, run, run, run. So we come, I get selected to represent our school in um, intermediate, uh, in uh, the athletics. We jump onto the track and the, the, the guy says on your marks here, Go, we go, and I win that first. I win the heats. I come first. We come off again. We jump on the track again. The semifinals. We get ready to go. On your mark, set, go, and I win again. This, at this point, I'm starting to get a bit confident, and so I rock on up to the side of the track where the boys are, are, are waiting, and they're starting to introduce themselves to each other. But I've got my nose up in the heavens. I'm acting. I'm acting like I can't see them. I'm like. I'm all of a sudden unapproachable. You know when you put on that cocky face with your duck lips? And you're like, and like, you're just so full of yourself. And you're like, I got this. And so I jump onto the track and the guy says, on your mark, set, go. And in that moment, I decided I'm going to change my tactic. I am going to, I'm going to sprint the first lap, jog the second lap, jog the third lap, and then sprint the fourth lap. And guess what? I didn't come first. I didn't come second. I didn't come third. I placed seventh in the finals. It was just, it was just the, con uh, it was just the confidence. <laughs> it was just the confidence for me. Um, a couple of years ago, our worship team had the opportunity to sing an item at the, op at the one conference, right? And so we're preparing for this item. Amazing. But I had a particular part in the song to sing. And in this verse, there was a particular very high note that I had to hit. So I had to engage certain muscles in order for me to be able to hit this note. And so in the practices, I'm like, you know, got the cocky face on and just singing and I'm hitting the note. I'm like, it's just a breeze. But come one conference, we do the item. I decide I'm going to change my tactic. I'm going to sing from the diaphragm. I'm going to belt this thing out. And guess what? Not only did I miss the note, my voice cracked, but I hit a note that sounded more like a dying cat. So it was just, and here's the worst thing about it. That video is being viewed more than 10,000 times. <laughs> it was just the confidence for me. You see, the truth is, in both of those instances, I no longer placed my confidence in what I learned or in what I was taught. But my confidence became more about my own human ability, my own human understanding uh, to try win the race and to try and hit the high note. <clears throat> have you noticed that we often have the tendency to lean on our own human abilities? We want to succeed in life so bad, our society calls it hashtag winning. And so we desperately long and desire to win in life, to prosper in life, to do well in life, to flourish in life. And so we go on this constant search for the four tips or for the ways uh, to win in life 
and we lean on human ability. We go to the podcast, we go to the blog, we go to the article, we go to the TV personalities, we look everywhere else but the Bible to learn how to hashtag win in life. Uh, we, we look everywhere else but the Bible to hashtag win at parenting, hashtag win at finances, hashtag win in our relationships, hashtag win in our marriages, in our schools, in the workplace. We look everywhere else but the Bible. Even when we're wanting a Christian perspective on something, we're more likely to go to a Christian book then to that book, the Bible. And instead of the word, we want the practical tips, we want the strategies, we want the, the ideas, we want the concepts that have been plucked out of the world. And yes, we believe that the, the Bible is the word of God. Yes, we believe that God's word has authority, but we somehow get, get roped into this misconception that the word of God is not, doesn't do a good enough job at addressing the nitty gritty things in my life. What does all of this tell us? It tells us that we have a major problem that no amount of four steps or, or, or tactics or human understanding or wisdom could solve. It tells us that we are broken and don't always work right. It tells us that we are in major need of wisdom. Not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. And my prayer is that as we go through the sermon series, uh, that we would begin to discover and unpack uh, gems of wisdom found in the, pro in the book of Proverbs that we can apply to our lives. But the message for us this morning, it's there in your notes. Uh, the message is called, it's the confidence for me. <laughs> Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. My first point this morning is the word trust. Let's define trust. What is trust? Trust in the Hebrew language is the word batach. Uh, it means to be confident and secure. It means to put your confidence in something or someone. Uh, and this is really interesting because the Hebrew language is a pictorial language. And so the word trust is made up of three pictures or characters in the, in the Hebrew alphabet. It's there in your notes. The first character is Beth. It conveys this idea of, in, uh, of a house, the idea of being inside a house. The second one is Teth, which conveys the idea of being surrounded by or being wrapped in something. And the, first, and the third picture is keth, which conveys this idea of a wall or a fence to protect. And so when you put all of these pictures together, uh, it's the word trust. And in the Hebrew language, it is this idea. Trust is the idea of being inside the surrounding wall for protection. In ancient times, um, people lived in walled cities. And so they put their trust in their walls. Uh, to secure them and to uh, keep them safe and to keep them secure. They had confidence in the walls of their house. And so this is what David is talking about, the psalmist David, when he says that God is my refuge, God is my fortress. He was not looking to the walls of his house for his protection or safety or security. He was looking to God, who is his refuge, who is his strength, who is his safety in times of trouble. It was the same trust that caused the children of Israel to follow the instructions of God and put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost and the lintels of the house. Uh, and when the, the angel of death passed over Egypt and saw the blood, the angel would pass over the house of the Israelites. And so the children of Israel were safe. They were protected. Their trust in God became the wall that surrounded them inside their home. To put your trust 
Uh, To trust is to put your confidence not in the wall or surrounding wall of your wealth, not in the surrounding wall of your job or your strength or your understanding. Trust is the confidence that says, God is my surrounding wall. God is my refuge. God is my strength. But you see, we have a problem with trust. We have trust issues. We don't trust because we don't know. That's why we have job interviews. Uh, the, the reason before an employer, uh, uh, an employer employs you, they want to know who you are. They want to know you. They want to know the person that they're meeting with. They want to know that you are the person for the job. They want to know that you are reliable. They want to know that you are who your CV said that you are. They want to know that uh, you can be trusted and that they can trust you. The reason they don't just give you the job is because they don't know you. And so they do the interview and they get to know you. It's the same with relationships and friendships. Um, You don't just decide to be someone's friend or husband or wife after five minutes of a conversation. No, you hang out more, you get to know them, you spend time with them uh, because you want to get to know that person. (laughs) You want to get to know that person uh, and... And, and you want to make sure that the person you got on the phone is a person you got in real time. You, you, I, I want to know that you're not phony. You're not out here catfishing me. I need to know for sure that I can count on you. I need to know that you are a real friend. I need to know that you've got my back. I need to know that I can trust you. You see, the reason that we have trust issues with God is because we don't know him. And perhaps it's because we don't, we don't know him because we don't take the time to get to know him through his word. We don't take the time to speak with him in prayer. We don't take the time to grow in our relationship with him. And so we choose not to trust him because we don't know him. There's a quote that says this, many want the appearance of winning rather than the practice and hard work of a true champion. It's exactly the same with trust. Far too many people want the appearance of a relationship with God, but they don't want to trust in God because trust in God is hard work. Trust has to be nurtured. It has to be cultivated. It's like a muscle that needs to be exercised and you're not going to know how to use it unless you get to work at it. But guess what? There's a solution to the problem. If you ever find yourself struggling to trust in God, can I encourage you, go back to knowing him. Go back to his word, go back to prayer, go back to worshiping, go back to fellowshipping with the people of God. If I'm going to struggle in my trust with God, may it be within the walls of prayer. May it be within the walls of the word of God. May it be within the fellowship with the people of God. May it be within worship. Because to know him is to put my trust in him. It isn't the appearing to be trusting. It isn't the seeming as if I'm trusting. It isn't sounding like I'm trusting. No, it's the trust with my whole heart. It's the confidence for me. When you walk with utmost utmost confidence in God, when you walk in utmost trust in God, you don't have to chase the people or the opportunities to bridge the gap to success. You don't have to chase the the, the wealth. You don't have to chase the job. You don't have to chase the car. You don't have to chase the money. You don't have to chase relationships to bridge the gap. And here's why. The bridge between where you are right now and where God wants you to be is trust. The bridge between who you are and who God has called you to be is trust. The bridge between what you've got right now and what God longs for you to have is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust Him with all of your being. Trust Him with everything that you've got, with all of your life, every decision that you make, every opportunity that you step into, every season and everything. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's the trust for me. (laughs) Love it. Uh, The second point for us this morning Uh, The second point is understanding. Everybody say understanding. 
understanding. That's our second point. In Proverbs 2 verse 2, it says uh, that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Proverbs 2.11 says discretion will preserve you. Uh, understanding will keep you. Proverbs 3.13 says happy is a man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Proverbs 16.16 16 says how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You see, these scriptures and many other scriptures in the Bible uh, that refer to understanding, they refer to understanding as an amazing thing. Understanding is something that is to be chosen rather than silver. And yet in our text this morning, the author is saying, lean not on your own understanding. You see, understanding in Hebrew culture is this idea of being able to judge what is right and then demonstrating that by action. In our modern world, uh, our thinking has been heavily influenced by Greek culture. And so we view understanding as something that is cognitive and more to do with the mind. When really understanding is an active word that is more about doing and showing that we have understanding. For example, here's an example for you. The reason you build a house is because you understand the process of building a house. You have to get the design work done, all of the measurements done, purchase all the materials. Uh, you start to put the house together. Understanding, therefore, is realizing what it takes to build the house, knowing what the process is, and then going on to build the house. Our text this morning doesn't say lean not on understanding. Understanding is a good thing, but it says lean not on our own understanding. Lean not on human understanding. Lean not on what we know. Lean not on what we see because what we understand, what we see and what we know is limited to co uh, compared to what God knows, to what God's understanding is. What we see is temporal. What God sees is eternal. What we see is short-term. What God will see is long-term. What we see is uh, for the interim, but what God sees is for the permanent. To lean not on our own understanding then is to acknowledge that our process that we know and what we know apart from God is unreliable. Our knowledge of what uh, this building is supposed to look like and what the process is meant to look like and how our life is meant to be is unreliable compared to God's wisdom and understanding and knowledge. You see, the main problem with our understanding is that it discounts the power, the might, the wisdom, the knowledge and understanding of God. Understanding usually involves this divine process. Uh, but what happens is that we come along and we make the process about what we want about the outcomes that we want to see, about what we want to see happen. And so instead of demonstrating that we have understanding, we end up being bound to our own understanding. But you see, the author of Proverbs is saying, lean not on your own understanding. Don't exalt your understanding. Don't exalt what you know. Don't exalt your human efforts. And I want to give you a solution and offer you a solution this morning. When, whenever you feel yourself starting to lean on your own understanding, can I encourage you to do this? Go back to the blueprint. You see, before you build a house, you have an architect who draws out the design for you. They are the person who puts the vision on paper for you. That's the blueprint. And then the carpenter comes along and he decides and he starts to build the house. He takes the vision on paper and he makes it a reality for you. Whenever the builder gets stuck or confused about the building, he goes back to the blueprint. He goes back to the design that the architect made. You need to know today that God is not only just the architect, but he's also the master builder. Uh, when God builds uh, something, he doesn't get confused and he doesn't get stuck about what he's building. He's, he doesn't get stuck in the middle of the build. He doesn't become unsure about what he's building. He builds the house for optimal performance. We get confused. We get stuck. We get unsure. But God does not. 
We ask God, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Uh, when will I see my healing? When will I see breakthrough? Uh, when will I see favor? And God is saying, go back to the blueprint. Go back to the word. What does the blueprint say? What does the word say? What does the Bible say? Don't hold on to your understanding. Don't lean on your understanding. Go back to the blueprint. Here's what you need to know this morning. When you hold on to your own understanding, you do it at the expense of your destiny. You don't build so that you can get the blueprint. You do the blueprint so that you can build. The word of God is your blueprint, church. It is safe. It is secure. It is true. It is powerful. It is life-changing. You can trust the word of God. You can have confidence in the word of God because at the end of the day, God is saying it's not your understanding. It's not your wealth. It's not your, your knowledge. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. It's the confidence for me. It's the trust for me. I want to ask you this question this morning. If I can ask, I need to join me on the keys. What are some of the decisions in your life that you need to trust God in? What are some of the decisions in your life that you need to make right now that you need to trust God in? Uh, in Genesis chapter 22, these are story. Uh, of a man named Abraham who had a decision to either trust in God or in his own understanding. And God told Abraham to offer up his son as a sacrifice. And you see, this son was a special son to Abraham because he was the son of the promise. He was a miracle baby. This son was uh, the son that Abraham and Sarah had been waving on for so long. But now God is wanting Abraham to offer him up as a sacrifice to God. You see, Abraham needed to trust that there was divine purpose behind what God was asking of him. He had to trust that what God had in mind was best for him. And so they traveled up the mountain and his son is asking him, Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says to his son, son, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. That's the difference between our understanding and trust our understanding will say, where's the lamb? But trust will say, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. The story goes on to say that Abraham placed his son on the altar. He is about to offer him up to God as a sacrifice. And the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, uh, don't touch the boy. Don't touch him. Now I know that you fear God. You didn't even withhold even your son, your only son, from me. And when Abraham looked up, he saw a ram that was caught in a thicket by its thorns. And so he took that ram and he sacrificed it and offered God, God a, a, an offering. You see, I believe that God is saying to you this morning, the decision you are about to make is a prelude to the provision that I'm about to bring to you. That's why it's the confidence for me. That decision you're about to make is the prelude to the anointing that I'm about to bring upon you. That's why it's the confidence for me. I believe God is saying the decision to trust me and is the prelude to the breakthrough that I'm about to bring on you. That's why it's the confidence for me. I believe God is saying the decision to trust me when you've got absolutely nothing at all is the prelude to the contentment and the fulfillment that I'm about to bring to you. 
That's why it's the confidence for me. I believe God is saying the decision to face, uh, to trust me in the face of death is the prelude to the glory that I'm about to reveal in you. That's why it's the confidence for me. The decision to trust me in the wilderness is the prelude to the promised land that I'm about to give you. That's why it's the confidence for me. Whatever decision, whatever the decision may be, no matter how big or how small, I believe God is saying to some of us in this room right now, my son, my daughter, it's the confidence for me. It's the trust for me. You can go all of your life searching for the answer, for the four steps, for the tips, to try and try and figure it out on your own. But I'm telling you now, it's not going to make sense at all. Nothing is going to satisfy you more than putting your trust in God. You can put your trust in God because he knows your beginning from your ending. He is the, the wall of protection for you. He is your surrounding wall. He is your refuge. He is your strong tower. God is saying it's the confidence for me. Nothing to do with your human effort. Nothing to do with your understanding. Nothing to do with your knowledge. Nothing to do with what you can do. It's as simple as this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But the question is, are you willing to do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you are a strong tower. You are a refuge. Lord, you are our protection. You are our strong surrounding wall. And so right now in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for anyone right now who is struggling to put their trust in you. Lord, uh, maybe they're going through something, circumstance and situation is fogging their vision right now. And so they're, they're, they're struggling to trust in you. God, I pray for them right now. Father, may we have the tenacity. May we be bold enough. May we have the courage right now, Lord, to put our trust in the living God. As we've heard this morning, Father, I pray, Lord, that it is this trust, Lord, that is the bridge between where we are now and where you want us to be. And so, Father, I pray that you teach us, Lord, that you give us a heart, Lord, to trust in you, to put our faith in you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If we keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed, we never like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying you're far away from God and, or you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior. You don't know what it means to come into a relationship with Jesus. Then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Here's the thing. God loves you. He created you. He created you to know Him. He created you to enjoy a relationship with Him forever. But the Bible talks about this barrier that keeps us disconnected and separated from God. That barrier is called sin. Sin is doing things our way. Sin is walking in disobedience. Sin is choosing to go one way and God is telling us to go the other. And the Bible says it's that sin that keeps us disconnected and separated from God. But also the wages of sin is death. But my friend, it didn't stop there because God in his grace, he sent his own son Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay that wage of sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he took on himself what you and I were due for our sin. And he extends to every one of us today his grace, forgiveness for our past, a new life right now, 
and a hope for your future and eternal life with Him in heaven. But we must turn away from sin, turn away from disobedience, turn away from doing things our own way, and turn to Jesus. Put our faith in Jesus, put our trust in Jesus, put our hope in Jesus, because the Bible says, whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to be connected to God. I want to come into relationship with God. I want to accept Jesus as as the Lord of my life, as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to count to three. And I want you to raise your hand and you can put it down straight away. But also, you didn't have to be shy or afraid in this room. Nobody in here was born holy. We are all sinners who have been saved by grace. But we want you to know that we've got your back and we're here for you. And so if that's you this morning, let me encourage you. I want you to raise your hand. I want to count to three. One, God loves you. Two, he's speaking to your heart right now. Three, raise your hand. Thank you, I see that 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 hand. If I can encourage you to uh, repeat this prayer after me, and I want you to know this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. This prayer is an expression of you putting your trust and faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.